The towers of the castle look more imposing as you approach them. The entrance is dark, with only candlelight flickering as you make your way up the steps. Every footstep echoing throughout the building, repeating like you are being followed. You reach the top and enter the dimly lit room. The four-poster bed looks amazing, yet a sad feeling emanates from it. The room seems to be getting misty. The mist slowly forms into a shape, the shape of a man. You can only make out a silhouette. The shape moves towards you and you hear the words, Get out! Get out! You try to run, but a deathly cold hand clutches at your arm. After a short struggle, you manage to get away, running down the steps as fast as possible. Welcome to Ghost Tales by the Fireside. This month, I've had to take a different approach. The hard drive I keep my files on went down, so I've lost most of my music and sound effects. So I've had to redo them. While doing this, I thought I'd write new music, which I've released under my own name, Clem Dalloway, and I'll play in its entirety at the end of the episode. In this episode, I'll be telling the history and ghost stories from the wonderful historic Warwick Castle in the heart of England. Warwick Castle is in the town of Warwick in Warwickshire, England. In the year 914, the daughter of Alfred the Great, Ethelfleda, built a wooden fortification on the site where the castle stands today which was one of ten that were built to defend against the invading Danes. In 1086, William the Conqueror built a Mott and Bailey castle on the site to keep control over the Midlands as he travelled to the north of England. In 1088, King William made Henry de Beaumont, the son of a powerful Norman family, the first Earl of Warwick. Henry established the Church of All Saints in the castle grounds, but the Bishop of Worcester demanded that he had it removed in 1127, as it was inappropriate to have God's house in a castle. When Henry of Anjou invaded England in support of his mother's claim to the throne in 1153, a message was sent out to the wife of Roger Beaumont, who was the second Earl of Warwick, that he'd died in battle. She surrendered the castle, but didn't realise that she'd been tricked. Upon hearing the news, her husband, Roger, died of shock. Henry of Anjou became King Henry II of England and returned the castle to the Earls of Warwick as they'd been supporters of his mother, Matilda. During this time, the old Mutton Bailey Castle was replaced with a stone keep against the castle wall. The castle was used to store provisions during the Baron's Rebellion of 1173-74 and the Earl of Warwick stayed loyal to Henry II. The castle and lands stayed within the Beaumont family until 1242 when Thomas de Beaumont, the 6th Earl of Warwick, died 
The castle was then passed on to his sister, Margaret, who was the seventh Countess of Warwick. Not long after the castle was passed on to Margaret, her husband, John Marshall, died. Until she found a new suitable husband, the castle was now in charge of the new king, Henry III. Margaret didn't take long to find a new husband. She married John de Place in December 1242, and afterwards the castle was returned to her. The eighth Earl of Warwick, William Mordit, was a supporter of Henry III during the Barons' War between 1264 and 1267. After a surprise attack, Simon de Montfort, the sixth Earl of Leicester from Kenilworth Castle, invaded Warwick Castle, leaving much damage. According to the 15th century chronicler, John Roos, the damage was so bad that it should be no strength to the king. The Earl and Countess were held prisoners at Kenilworth Castle until a ransom was paid. After William Mordit died in 1267, the title and castle was passed on to his nephew, William de Beesham, who became the 9th Earl of Warwick. The 10th Earl of Warwick, Guy de Beesham, along with Thomas Crouchback, 2nd Earl of Lancaster, who was the son of Henry III, despised King Edward II's favourite, who may have been a gay lover, Piers Gaveston. Gaveston mocked the barons, calling Guy de Beesham the Black Dog of Arden, and Thomas Crouchback the Fiddler. After Gaveston had disgraced the aristocracy many times, they decided to have him gone once and for all. They captured Piers Gaveston and imprisoned him in Warwick Castle until they tried him, accusing him of stealing the royal treasury. He was executed on the 9th of June, 1312. Between 1330 and 1360, Guy's son, Thomas de Beesham, the 11th Earl of Warwick, had a considerable amount of work done on the castle. He added two towers, Caesar's Tower and Guy's Tower. Caesar's Tower included a dungeon that according to local legend, it was also known as Poitiers Tower because it may have held prisoners from the Battle of Poitiers in 1356. He also oversaw the construction of the Barbican and Gatehouse on the northeastern part of the castle. The Watergate Tower was also built around this period. The last in line of the Beecham family was Anne de Beecham, who died in 1449. The next to become Earl of Warwick was Richard Neville, famously known as the Kingmaker, who gained the title through his wife's inheritance. During the War of the Roses, Neville played a central part in putting Edward IV on the throne. Edward now needed a wife, and who better to find him one but his right-hand man, Richard Neville. Neville travelled to France for meetings with King Louis XI and negotiated an agreement for his daughter, Bona of Savoy, to marry the newly crowned English king. This marriage would have put an end to the ongoing conflicts between the two countries. When Neville returned to England, 
King Edward announced that he'd got married in secret to a lady Elizabeth Woodville. This made Richard Neville look a fool. The Woodvilles were seen as the enemy to many of the barons, as Elizabeth's father fought against Edward at the Battle of Toton, and Elizabeth was one of the king's subjects who had been married before. This was unheard of at this time. Neville rebelled against Edward IV and imprisoned him at Warwick Castle. Neville tried to rule England in the king's name, but supporters of the king forced him to release him. On the 14th of April, 1471, during the Battle of Barnet, Richard Neville was killed fighting against the king. The castle was then passed on to his nephew, George Plantagenet, the first Duke of Clarence and brother of King Edward IV. The castle was then handed to George's son, Edward Plantagenet. He was the 17th Earl of Warwick, who was only two years at the time and a potential claimant to the throne during the reigns of both Richard III and his successor, Henry VII. The lands were taken by the crown by Henry VII and Edward was not able to inherit the throne. He was held in the Tower of London for 14 years from the age of 10 and was executed in 1499 for high treason for conspiring to escape. Edward was the last Earl of Warwick since the title's first creation. The castle stayed in care of the crown until 1547, when John Dudley was granted the estate along with the second creation of the title of Earl of Warwick. John Dudley commented the following about the castle's condition. The castle of itself is not able to lodge a good baron with his train. For all the one side of the said castle with also the dungeon tower, is clearly ruinated and down to the ground. The castle had been neglected over a long period, even though when it was in possession of the crown and had extensive works carried out, but John Dudley didn't carry out any repairs. In 1566, Elizabeth I visited the castle during a tour of the country and she visited again and stayed for four nights in 1572. The third Earl of Warwick, Ambrose Dudley, commissioned a timber structure for the Queen to stay in during her visit. The title of Earl of Warwick ended for the second time in 1590 when Ambrose Dudley died. At the time of his death, the castle was still in a bad state of repair. Lead had been stolen from the roof of various buildings, including the chapel. In October 1601, Sir Fulk Greville wrote, The little stone building there was, mightily in decay. The timber lodgings built 30 years ago for herself, Queen Elizabeth I, all ruinous. So as in very short time, there will be nothing left but the name of Warwick. The castle was granted to Sir Falk Greville, who was the Secretary of Wales, in 1604 by James I, and converted it into a country house. 
Falk made such an impression on the king that he made him Chancellor of England. Falk became very rich and carried out extensive repairs to the castle to make it habitable again. During this time in 1605, the castle was indirectly involved with the gunpowder plot. When the conspirators found out that Guy Fawkes had been captured and their plan had been found out, they left their hideout in nearby Dunchurch. They reached Warwick Castle and stole cavalry horses from the stables to help in their escape. The title of Earl of Warwick was re-established for the third time in 1618 and it was given to Fort Greville, who also became Baron Brook in 1621. He spent £20,000, which is four million in today's money, renovating the castle. During this time, Fulk occupied the Watergate Tower. According to the 17th century antiquary, William Dugdale, he wrote, a place not only of great strength, but extraordinary delight, with most pleasant gardens, walks and thickets, such as this part of England can hardly parallel. In 1621, Fulk retired from public view when he was 68 years old. On the 1st of September in 1628, Fulk was visiting a lawyer in London to sort out his last will and testament. The lawyer insisted that he had two witnesses to oversee that everything was written down to Fulk's wishes. Fulk asked two of his servants who he knew could read and write, one of them being Ralph Haywood, Fulk's valet. Haywood believed that he should have been left something in the will, as he'd been a faithful servant to Fulk Greville for many years. But when he read that he was left nothing, he was outraged. Fulk believed that the wages for his service was payment enough. Haywood grabbed the penknife belonging to the lawyer and in a violent temper, stabbed Fulk and then ran off. After a short search, Haywood's body was found with the knife in his hand and lacerations to his throat. He'd killed himself by cutting his own throat. Sir Fulk Greville died four weeks later after his wounds became infected. His physicians treated his wounds by filling them with pig fat, which turned rancid and infected the wounds further. His body was taken back to Warwick Castle, and the body was then interred in the Church of St. Mary in Warwick. Between January and May 1642, the castle's defences were built up with extra fortifications in preparation for the oncoming attacks during the First Civil War. Under the Second Baron Brook, Robert Greville. Two cannons were added and the garden walls were raised higher, along with beams and soil to mount the artillery. On the 7th of August 1642, the castle was under attack. Robert Greville was a parliamentarian and the castle was under siege by Royalist soldiers under the command of Spencer Compton, the second Earl of Northampton and Lord Lieutenant of Warwickshire. Robert Greville wasn't at the castle at the time, but he had left the castle and garrison in charge of Sir Edward Pater. 
The acting herald, William Dugdale, called for the surrender of the castle, but Pater refused. The royalists opened fire with little effect. Richard Bulstrode, author and soldier on the side of Charles I, wrote, Our endeavours for taking it were to little purpose, but we had only two small pieces of cannon which were brought from Compton House, belonging to the Earl of Northampton, and those were drawn up to the top of the church steeple, and we were discharged at the castle, to which they could do no hurt, but only frightened them within the castle, who shot into the street and killed several of our men. The Royalists were forced to retreat to Worcester after the garrison was relieved by the forces of the Earl of Essex on the 23rd of August, 1642. After the Battle of Edge Hill, many prisoners were held in the Caesar's Tower and Guy's Tower. After the Second Civil War, including from the Battle of Worcester in 1651. A garrison was stationed at Warwick Castle until 1660. At one point there were 302 soldiers with full artillery until the English Council ordered it to be disbanded and hand the castle back to the fourth Baron Brook. The castle apartments were left in a bad state of repair once again. The 8th Baron Brook, Francis Greville, was given the title of Earl of Warwick in 1759, recreating the title again for the fourth time. The castle was once again in the ownership of the Earls of Warwick. Francis Brooks started to renovate the castle and grounds, bringing the infamous Lancelot Capability Brown to landscape the gardens. George Greville, the second Earl of Warwick of the latest creation, had accumulated £115,000 worth of debt, which is 11 million in today's money. The Earl's estates were given to the Earl of Galloway and John Fitzpatrick, second Earl of Upper Ossory in 1806, but the castle was returned to the Earl of Warwick in 1813. The last Earl of Warwick was Charles Guy Falk Greville, the seventh Earl of Warwick and the seventh Baron Brook, who lived at the castle until its sale in 1978. He became the first British aristocrat to star in a Hollywood movie. He was nicknamed the Duke of Hollywood by the local press, and his most notable role was in the film Dawn Patrol, starring alongside David Niven and Errol Flynn. He once said in an interview with Life magazine, The Earl's armour and art is worth $16 million. The castle has 200 servants and 24 downstairs dining rooms. If I made $5,000 a week, that would not be sufficient to run the castle. He took a movie job so that he could afford the great expense of being an Earl. The castle was sold to the Tussards Group in 1978 for 1.3 million and sold again in 2007 to the Blackstone Group and is now one of England's top tourist attractions.
Many people have witnessed a cloud of mist materialize from thin air in the Watergate Tower, which is also known as the Ghost Tower. It's believed to be the ghost of Sir Fulk Greville returning to the place that he loved and spent so much of his time and money. It's said that the pale figure of Fulk emerges from his portrait that hangs in the castle. He looks like he's in extreme pain and wanders around the grounds of the castle, screaming in agony. In 1999, a young family visited the castle and the parents were intrigued by the story of Fulk Greville's murder and the ghost stories attached to the tower. They went into one of the rooms that was dimly lit and contained a bed. As they stood close together, they felt the presence of someone trying to get past, so they moved to let them past, only afterwards realizing that no one was there. In the same year, two friends who were historians went for a day out to the castle. They stood looking around the tower's bedroom when they said that they heard a voice telling them to get out. Get out. And at that point, felt somebody grab their hands and pull them. They left rapidly. People have also experienced the sound of footsteps in the Japanese corridor. These have been heard many times by many people, even groups of people at the same time. One of the former countesses of Warwick used a room off the corridor as her writing room. She heard the footsteps often and would sometimes go to the room, which she always locked to find the papers on her desk moved around as if someone had been reading them. An American guest who stayed at the castle during World War II heard the footsteps one night. He stood his ground and waited for them to get closer to him in fascination. The footsteps not only got closer, they passed through him. He rushed off to his room and locked the door. In the 13th century, one of the Earl of Warwick's servants who was too old to serve, lived in a small cottage below the castle walls. Her name was Moll Bloxham, and the Earl gave her the daily milk that wasn't used in the castle, to sell and to make butter for a small profit. Her customers complained to the Earl that she was cheating them and not giving them the full amount. When the Earl checked, he'd found that she cheated on the weights to her advantage. He was angry and outraged that she'd not honored his generosity and had her publicly tortured. The torturer went over the top and just before the brink of death, she cursed the town, saying that she'd be back to seek revenge. Mole died from the torture that day. That same night, a huge spectral dog with glowing red eyes went on a rampage around the castle grounds, terrifying everyone in its path. This went on for weeks until the Earl sent for the clergy to cast the hideous black dog out. They chased it towards the castle and it entered one of the towers. They followed behind it, chanting prayers and holding crosses towards it. 
In fear of God, the black dog jumped from the tower, landing in the river Ivan below. Some people believe that the black dog became trapped and is still there now, waiting for its moment to return to cause havoc again. Others believe that Mole returned as a woman, dressed in grey, that is often seen around the castle grounds, terrifying anyone who comes in contact with her. In the dungeon of the castle, people have heard the cries and screaming of prisoners, pleading to be let out. The ghost of a former jailer has been seen and heard many times in the dungeon. He is seen standing behind a metal gate, shouting at anyone who approaches him. They always describe him as sinister and evil. Thank you for listening to Ghost Tales by the Fireside. You can find more information about episodes on the new website www.ghosttales.co.uk where you can log on to the Facebook page facebook.com forward slash ghosthousepodcast and on Instagram at ghosthousepodcast If you'd like to listen to any of my music it's available under my own name Clem Dalloway on all music streaming platforms and YouTube This podcast will be out monthly and is available on most podcast platforms. All music, research, writing, production, art and sound effects are all my own work.